Imagine if each morning when you wake up, you're smiling and looking forward to your day, knowing you are happy even while you're dealing with grief and loss. The Grief and Happiness Podcasts inspires, comforts, and supports you with each new episode. I'm Emily Zerothret, welcoming you to explore with me your life of endless possibilities. Aloha. I am so glad to have Amy Bishop here with us today. She is a death doula, and I'm sure you'd all like to know more about what exactly that means. I know I would like to know more about it. And she's had interesting experiences that have led her on this this journey. So we're going to have an interesting conversation today. So Amy, tell us, what is a death doula? Hi, thank you for having me on. I am very much excited for this conversation. And a death doula or an end-of-life doula is someone who provides holistic, non-medical support to the dying and their loved ones. And that might be practical, emotional, or spiritual support. So it can look very different in, in each circumstance. It can look very different uh, depending on what the needs are of the individual. I know we have uh, have a death doula training here on Maui that people come from all over to go to that uh, Bodhi B and with Doorway into oh, Life sure. does it. And I know it's a, it's a very popular program. And each year I've been thinking about going to it and then all this pandemic stuff happened and everything changed. So, <laughs> yeah, um, Bodhi B is very well known in the community too. That's, I'm sure it's a great program. It is. He's he's a fascinating person. Yeah. So what what led you to choose to do this, to be a death doula? So a lot of my own personal experiences led me here. My first really strong, significant encounter with death happened in 1993 when my sister died um, unexpectedly. And prior to that, I had lost grandparents. I'd lost an uncle. I think I'd lost an aunt. Can't remember if I had at that point yet, but I've had some losses in my life, but, but not anybody that impacted me like the, the sudden loss of my sister. And it was such a shocking experience. And she had at the time a five-year-old and an eight-year-old. And I just found myself feeling like it was the first moment that I really felt like I understood that life is not given, that it's not a promised thing. And then it did. And then there was a, there was a feeling of a lack of safety for, for me. Cause I just didn't, you know, you don't know, we don't know what the future brings. And so I learned that lesson pretty, pretty early. And then if you fast forward a few years, my father died from a, a little bit longer prolonged experience. When he died, it was sad. It was so hard because I was very close to my dad, but it wasn't unexpected. And there was a degree of relief for him, for his suffering. And then about seven months after he died, one of my best friends died. And she died a lot like my sister, very sudden, very unexpected, um, similar kind of circumstance. And so, again, I was hit with that reality that nothing is given. And she was young. She was healthy, seemingly very healthy, 
31 year old. So I kept getting these lessons in loss and in grief and, you know, would read about grief and would read about how to support yourself through those processes. But in the meantime, you know, people would say all the wrong things to me, you know, things that felt like all the wrong things. And then some years went by and we fast forward now to 2016, October, 2016. So just about five years ago, just a little over. And my mom died and she had been she had been, it was a, like my dad, it was a longer, slower decline that was, you know, difficult to watch. And, and I was very clear. I was her power of attorney. So I was very clear on what her wishes were and what she would want. And so when it came time to make some decisions, I had to step out of what I felt from myself and the fears that I had and the, and the sadness that I had on my own and think, what would my mom want? What would she do if she could speak for herself right now? And, you know, I consulted with my, my living brother and sister and, you know, we were all on the same page because my mom had made no bones about it. She was very clear with her wishes and she also had um, documented them too. So my mom died in October of the end of October of 2016. And I just over a year later, my other sister died. And she was the twin of the sister who had died in 93 and they died one day apart and 24 years. I had spoken with her the day before she died, which was the anniversary of our first sister's death. And, you know, we had spoken and been like, oh my gosh, can you believe it's been 24 years? It's, it's crazy. It's such a long time. And we spoke about her and kind of reminisced a little bit. And then the next day I got a call from my nephew saying that, my sister had died. And it, again, it was just another one of those blows that, that hits that you, you know, how, how, how is this possible? Then about five or six weeks after her death, my brother's health took a big dive down. He was already having some health issues, but he went into kidney failure and had to go into dialysis. And so he was on dialysis and we were grieving. And shortly after that, I remember crying, heavily crying, sobbing at home and saying to my husband, I'm supposed to do something with all of this grief. I don't know what it is, but I'm supposed to do something with it. And I didn't anything with it because I didn't know what it was. And then in May of 2020, the year that we thought that I would possibly be donating a kidney to my brother. He died. And it was a rough year for everybody that year, but I felt like it had been a supremely rough time for me as he was the final member of my immediate family. So of the six of us that lived in a house together, I have half siblings from um, my father's first marriage, but the six of us were in the same household growing up and I was the only one left. Everybody else had died. And I just, I just knew that my life needed to take a turn. I had already started that. So after, after my sister died, after I had that moment where I was like, I'm supposed to be doing with something with it. I would say probably another year went by. She died late 2017. So it was probably 
as a matter of fact, I know when it was, it was about a year later that I came across the term end of life doula and not knowing what it meant. I Googled it because that's what we do. And as I was reading about this, I was like, oh, this is the thing. This is the thing I'm supposed to do. It just felt like that. Like it was a very clear, like, here's your answer. So then it was a matter of finding the right program, finding a training that I could do, finding how do I do this, this thing? And so I had become an end of life doula by the time my brother died, but I was a newbie. I was new. And I don't think, I don't think I was ready to take on being an end of life doula for him, partly because I think we were all in a bit of denial about how sick he was. I, his death seemed sudden to me which is kind of crazy now that I look back and I realized like he was on dialysis, which is life-sustaining treatment. But I think we all thought, you know, we'll just, let's just get him through. So he's a little bit stronger. And then we were start, you know, we were in the process of all the tests that need to happen before somebody has a transplant and, and he didn't make it. So when he died, I felt like I had better tools because I had more training. And quite honestly, I'd been through so many losses by that time that I, it was kind of my grief process was like, oh, right, this is about the time that this happens. Oh, yeah, this, these feelings that I'm having right now, yeah, I remember this from before. Even though it's all different, it feels completely different every single time. And there's no two experiences that are the same whether your own experiences with loss or your experiences, your shared experiences that you have with another person, for instance, my, my brother-in-law and I, you know, our, our experiences were going to be totally different because our relationships with the person who died are totally different. So that, that's the, that's a very long version of how I wound up in this work. I knew that I wanted to be part of normalizing the conversation around death. I wanted to be part of normalizing conversation around grief. I wanted to be part of helping people have a better understanding of things that they can do and say and things that they can shouldn't say <laughs> to someone who's recently experienced a loss. And so that's that's my mission. That's where I am. Yeah. I understand having so many different situations with death. I've, I've done that myself with, and each one of them is totally different. And completely. Completely. And it, it just seems to me like it would be wonderful to have someone like you, like an end of life doula who could uh, kind of hold her hands along the way. I know uh, Ram Das also lived here on Maui. Yeah. And one yep. of the, the books that he, he wrote not too long before he transitioned was Walking Each Other Home. And I see the uh, death doula role kind of as, as that uh, walking sure. each other home. And that's right. I, I discovered with uh, dealing with my loss that it was very important for me to not dwell in it so exclusively that I would be down all the time and not really engaged in my life anymore. And I started working on um, finding ways to be happy and how then I could help other people to be happy. And I, I know you yeah. mentioned the importance of happiness, and I'd, I'd like you to talk to that a little bit. Yeah, for sure. So 
by nature, I am a pretty happy person. I've, I've had a nickname sunshine <laughs> by various people in my life, you know, including a doorman and, you know, <laughs> at one of my clients buildings years ago in New York city, my other work prior to this was, um, it is, I still do, um, but teaching yoga and fitness. And so, you know, seeing different, different clients when I lived in New York city, I, where there's one, one doorman who used to always call me sunshine, you know, so various people in my life, that's, that's been their name for me. And it's been kind of funny because in the last few years, especially in the last five years, when, you know, in with my, my mom, my sister and my brother, I also experienced the, the losses of my favorite aunt and uncle who were married to each other. So it was literally every year someone died every year. And I felt like anything but sunshine, you know, it was, I was like, what, there must be a rain cloud over my head that this is, this is, you know, what keeps happening. But I am also, I think part of it is how I was raised. My mom, especially, but both my parents raised us to understand that death is a part of life and that this is just a cycle that it's normal and natural. I don't, my mom was ahead of her time. <laughs> I really do believe that she really, um, she used to talk about it very, very, I don't want to say blunt, but, but just very straightforward, very matter of fact, there were no euphemisms. She despised all the euphemisms around death. Couldn't, couldn't stand them. So there was no passing away. There was no, you know, in a better place, that sort of thing. Somebody dies. She'd just be very straightforward. They died. Okay. And so I grew up with that and, and understanding that, you know, it's, it's look at a look, walk, go for a walk in nature. You will see new life. You will see end of life. You will see die. You will see all of it. Um, it's part of our world. And I don't know that it's even necessarily, some days it's a very conscious decision. Like this isn't going to take me down. I can't, you know, I, I'm not going to live a life that is so sad and unhappy for the rest of the time that I have. I think that's attributed to many things. I think part of it is that's not what anyone in my family would want. They would be very upset if that were the case. But of course, you can't say that to somebody who's grieving because mm -hmm. they can't snap out of it. You can't just suddenly go, come on, they wouldn't want this. Smile, be happy because you're feeling the way you're feeling. But I think, so I think some of it's nature. I think some of it's nurture. I think some of it is making the decision to continue to live and to choose what is going to bring you happiness and to find other meaning and purpose. And I don't think that you can find meaning or purpose right after someone has died. I think it takes time. I think, you know, when you're in the midst of heavy grief, that's not a time that you're going to be able to be like, ah, oh, but the, the silver lining or the, what I learned, that's, it's not there yet. It, that just takes more time. But I definitely think that there is some decision towards that as well. It, you know, you also have to decide for yourself how you want to be, how you want to show up, how you want to carry on. When you are working with the people that you deal with as a death doula, 
Is there something in particular that you can do to lift their spirits, give them some a little focus on how something they could do to be happy? Is there what, what? I think the main thing that I try to offer when I'm working with someone, whether they themselves are the person who is dying or they're a loved one of someone who is dying, I think the main thing is honestly to be quiet to hold the space for them and allow them to express whatever the feelings are and meet them where they are, not to try to talk them out out of it, not to try to, not to try to put a smile on it. None of that works. And so I think the main thing is really meet them where they are give them a chance to speak, reflect back what you've heard, let them cry let them be sad because so often I think what we find in our culture is that we don't want to see somebody else in pain. We don't want to see them suffering. We don't want to see them sad. So we're like, you know, here's a tissue and here's this. And what about this? And, you know, let's go, let's just go for a drink, you know, or let's go have some fun, you know, let's go watch a movie. Let's go. And we're, we try so hard to move away from the pain Instead of just saying, tell me how you're feeling. Tell me, you know, what you're experiencing right now. You know, I'm, I'm curious and I want to know and I want to hear. Um, so I think that's the main thing. And honestly, I think that's the thing that when people are given a chance to express how they're feeling, what they're experiencing, that's the greatest shift for them. Yes, I, I've seen that uh, happen. I, I know that it's not, when, when you think of happiness, a lot of people think of laughing at a funny movie or, you know, that sort yeah. of thing. But there's, there's a deeper, I think more of a sense of joy. I think it's very important that people, that both families and people who are in the act of, of dying, they need to be heard. They need to be feel like they're validated in some way. That that, For sure. that, that makes them happy. It, it's not the laughing haha happy. It's it's the deep happiness that I know they're they're understanding what I said. I know that they're going to take care of whatever it is that I needed taken care of. Because uh, sometimes there's this that sort of thing. I, I know uh, during my husband Ron's last week that he he was on this mission to say goodbye to everybody he wanted to talk to one last time. And being in Hawaii, then <laughs> we just moved here two years before that. It was a, a bit of a challenge. That's so, tough, right? Uh, yeah, a lot of his uh, good friends actually came over and spent the week with us, which was quite wonderful. But fortunately, FaceTime was in existence at that time. And a lot of us were spending time researching and finding numbers for certain people for him. And that made him happy that we were doing what he wanted to see done, that something that was important for him. And then he got to have those conversations. And as far as I know, we got everybody on his list that he actually oh, was able to, to uh, talk and people he hadn't talked to in years, but he, he just really wanted to talk to one last time. That's really beautiful. That is really special. Yeah. Something you said also triggered the thought for me that like, I also think that we shouldn't rule out 
ha ha laughter. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. I think that we, one of the times in, in life that I feel like sometimes it's difficult for someone who is a survivor of the loss, the the person who didn't die, Mm -hmm. who then feels like, well, how dare I be happy? How, how can I laugh when my person has died? You know, when my brother is gone, how can I laugh? How can I? And I think that we need to understand that we it's okay. It's okay for us to have permission to laugh, to feel joy, to feel happiness, even giddiness. And it might not be right then. It might, you know, that can take time. Like for a while, you might just not feel like it. That's okay too. But in those moments that you do, it's okay. And there's nothing wrong with you for laughing when someone has died. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I've even helped people where, you know, even in, even in the, the, dying process. They haven't died yet. You know, even then there's times where we have found laughter and it's, it's healthy. It's actually healthy. It can feel very contradictory for, for people. And so I think that's an important thing to, to understand that it's both. And it's not either, or it's not just one or the, you're not, you're not either just sad or you're happy. And how dare you be happy? It's, I can feel all of these things. Uh, there's a rainbow of, of feelings that we can have and they can exist all at once. That's right. And it's, it's very important for us to give ourselves permission to experience whatever we do experience. Absolutely. That, that it's okay. I was yeah. just thinking all about of it. Uh, yeah, all of it. Is all of okay. it. That's right. All of it is okay. I was just thinking about a, a situation where a man was in the hospital and he was dying. He knew he was dying. He was, he knew he didn't have a whole lot longer, but he also was very alert and aware of everything that was going on at that point. And he said something to the effect of, I wish I could go to my own funeral. And someone heard him and they made that happen. They, they, had, yeah. they invited everybody. They got permission from the hospital to do what they were going to do. And they brought in balloons and cake and <laughs> had, had, a, had a party. And they all told him how much they loved him. And yeah. it really celebrated him and the accomplishments he had in his life. And by the end of the, the celebration, one after the afternoon that it happened, he had by the, just in that process of that, he had gotten to the point where he couldn't talk anymore but he was still smiling and he'd smiled and talked through the whole thing till the end and then by the next day he was gone and his family felt so good about doing that for him I just got chills chills. that's so beautiful it's so I I mean if I have if I if I have any say and sometimes we do and sometimes we don't but that's that's how I want to go. We call it a funeral. <laughs> uh, oh, I like that. <laughs> yeah, the the uh, doula term is funeral. Would you like a funeral where we, you know because it's all wonderful to say all these beautiful things when the person's gone, but oh my goodness, if you have the chance to say them while they're here, how how meaningful and how how what a gift. Oh, you yes. know, for every, for each person, not just the person who's dying, but also to know that you've been able to say these things. Yeah. And, and I know that, that part of it is um, fear. 
that people fear oh, yeah. that the person who is dying is going to be insulted by somebody laughing when he's in the serious position. And oh, yeah. they need to let go of that fear because that's not serving anybody. You need to no, it is uh, not. just do what feels right in the moment to do and to be positive as you can about everything. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever and I mean, a lot of it's going to depend on the, you know, the personality of the person. If they were not That's very right. joyful, laughing, ha 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 kind of person anyway, then that's probably not appropriate to yeah. be doing it. But <laughs> but if it's me, I love to laugh. I love to laugh. It's um one of, you know, if I can have that as I'm dying, but yeah. it's all worth it, you know. Yeah. Absolutely. And I won't feel disrespected at all. That's right. That's right. <laughs> you know? No, I've already, you know, I've, I've already, I, I'm my husband. This is such a joke because I'm always like, when I die, this yeah. is fine. When I die, he's always like, oh my God. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, I want fun songs played. I want, you know, I, I sure do a beautiful reading, do, do something that is poignant, but also, you know, play some upbeat songs and dance <laughs> mm-hmm. that's what I would love yes absolutely I know uh, my husband Jacques was a he was a professor at the, in college but he also in in the rest of his life was a singer and actor and loved to do that and his friends got together and put on a theatrical hey. production in the theater that celebrated his life and i just thought oh wow if he could only be there and and in a way he was because he used to have a, a live radio show back in the days when you did that he was a lot older than i am and the the live radio show he would sing and he had a recording from that that we found on an old record when I was going through some stuff and I took it to a a friend who was a sound engineer at the university where I was teaching and he was able to make it uh, get it off onto a like an mp3 or something something that made it sound really good instead of like a scratchy old record and we had that playing in the theater as people walked in and, and people recognized that that was his voice, that he was singing at his own service. Oh, oh my gosh, that's incredible. It was beautiful. That is really cool. And, and people smile for that and people cried too, but it, you feel whatever you, you need to feel is okay. But it was such, to me, it was such a positive thing to do. Yeah, because sometimes we cry at things that are beautiful, too. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes we cry because life is so freaking gorgeous. (laughs) So it's okay. Yes. Yes, it is. Well, this this conversation has been delightful. I'm so glad we got a chance to speak together. And I admire the work that you do. And thank you. It's it's wonderful that you're there to do that. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's it's I think it's so great when people can take something that that could have uh, made them so sad for the rest of their lives that they'd be in a bad place and turn it around and make it into something positive. I I feel that way about what I'm doing with my grief and happiness alliance and that sort of thing that that people uh, can see that it's okay. You know, we we still love the people that died. They're still in our heart. We didn't stop loving them. We can still be happy about uh, having them in our lives. Yeah. 
Yeah, I as I said, it didn't happen right away. You know, I lost a lot of people before <laughs> before it happened. So it's, there's there's no rush on it to be like, well, what am I supposed to do then? What should I be? What? How should I make meaning out of this? Meaning can take some time, and meaning doesn't have to be this, and it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be a huge legacy. Meaning can be a small thing, but yeah. it's never small. If it's true meaning, then it's never small. It's uh, kind of whatever works for you. I I know yeah. I knew about one man whose grandchild had had died in the in the NICU after birth, but not not too long after birth, and he was. He's so longing to have been able to hold that baby and he never had the chance to. So he started volunteering at the hospital, rocking babies. And Amazing. didn't replace his grandchild at all. No, of course it doesn't. But he felt so much closer to the grandchild and yeah. to his, I think it was his daughter who had given birth to that grandchild. It, it kind of brought them all together. And, and he was doing a beautiful service. And something that could make him smile. I was going to say, and not only that's right. What a service for those who are in need. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's really, that's really beautiful. Well, I am glad that you were here. I look forward to hearing more from you along the way with, with things that you're doing. And I I hope you'll keep in, in touch with us here. Thank you. Thank you for your time. I really am grateful. Oh, I'm I'm grateful to have you here. Gratitude is is one of the things that brings me joy. <laughs> Having lots of things to be grateful for, and today I'm grateful I for you. I can see it. <laughs> I can see it. Okay, I'll look forward to seeing the rest of you who are listening next week. And I hope that when you listen to this, you can write some comments on it and under the recording so that other people can get an idea of how wonderful this recording is going to be for them to listen to. So thank you very much. And I hope we'll all have a beautiful week. Do you want more comfort, support, and happiness? Join the Grief and Happiness Alliance. Visit my website at lovingandlivingyourwaythroughgrief.com and read my book, Loving and Living Your Way Through Grief. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast, rate it, review it, and binge on all our episodes on grief and happiness. I can't wait to welcome you back to another episode.